Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. I don't really know how to say it other than, like, I'm going to do my best to get through this sermon. And um, that's the best way that, that, that I can say what's going to happen this morning. I, 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 I will do my best. And um, um, I make no other promises than that. Uh-huh. I guess what's hard is that last week was one of the best weeks of my spiritual life and growth. Do you know where I'm going? <laughs> and as a pastor, standing up here preaching on what's next for the church, what's next for our life, what's next for me, what's next for us, and you get up here, and, 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 I, and I feel like last Sunday was such a powerful uh, 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 Sunday, and I feel like God moved, and, and, and all throughout that week, God worked in my life. And then I literally turned the page, and, and the entire time that I'm preaching, I'm preaching on, oh, give it two weeks, Christians, and just wait. The devil's crouching out the door, ready to attack. And I'm telling you, this week, the worst week in my spiritual life that I may have ever had in my life, where every turn, I'm telling you, every turn, Satan is crouching at the door, just waiting to devour. I, I, I can't even explain it. And this whole week, I know what I'm preaching on. I'm preaching on anxiety. I'm preaching on worry. I'm preaching on stress. I'm wanting to bring this word to the church because I think we all have been uh, dealing with it in some form or another, with inflation rising, with political things going kind of sideways with our church and the state that we're in. And then we have just, just the stress and anxiety of everyday life. So I want to bring a message to us. And, 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 and by George Brown or, or whatever the saying goes, if here I am struggling the same thing I'm about to talk about. So the best way that I can say it is that, like, please hear, I am a struggling man, a struggling preacher, preaching the best that I, I, I'm going to try to struggling people. And I think that there's a, a false narrative out there. I really do. And here's the false narrative. Is that if you're a Christian, then you do not struggle with any type of anxiety or stress or worry or fear or mental, just call it whatever you want to. That when you get saved, Christ comes into you and like, it's, you're good, you know, it's all good. You don't. And that may be the narrative that's out there, but it's not true. 
man, I became a Christian and I, I, I got a six-pack. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Like, boom, I just, I was ripped. I was strong. It was just as soon as I put my faith in Jesus. Like, you've never heard anybody say that. Why? Because it's not how it works. And in the same way, that's not how it works. Or I put my faith in Jesus. I had an extremely amazing prayer life right off the bat. Like, you've never heard anybody say that. Why? Because it's not how that, it's a, it's something that you grow in. And Christians still struggle. Let me explain it like this. Look at Jesus. See, anxiety isn't a sin. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying, what does he say? He says, Father, I am in what? I am in agony. Literally, as he is sweating blood down his face, he looks at God. And like even like this morning, I'm telling y'all, this morning has been like, like a weight this morning. I don't even, I can't explain it. Like, I've tried to smile around everybody and say hey to everybody just to be nice and pastoral. But like, I am, dr- like, th- like, But I know that, like, we get like this sometimes. Like, you and I. And if you think that it's a sin, what did Jesus pray? He said, Lord, I am in agony right now. If you can, take this cup away from me. I'm sweating drops of blood, but yet not your will, God. Not my will, God, but yours. Whatever you want. What does Peter tell us? He says, cast all your anxiety, all your worries on who? On the Lord. See, it's not a sin, but it is a signal. It is a signal. That when, and, and I'm not talking about like, man, I'm kind of stressed out because I feel like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like when you have anxiety or fear or worry or stress, It is a signal telling you that something is up. God has given us that signal to say, hey, what's going on? You need to pump the brakes for a second and check out something. And so what in the world causes us to feel that way? What causes that signal to to feel stress, to feel anxiety? I mean, what causes that? Let, Let me ask Could it be our inputs? Think about that for a moment. Could it be our inputs? What we have input into our life? When I was a when I was a a youth, they used to teach us, they would say, uh Garbage in, garbage out, Drake. That's what, the, that's what the common thing was. Garbage in is going to be garbage out. And so then we kind of grew up, oh, okay. Here's how I like to say it a little bit different way. Um, I think they were just trying not to get us to listen to like ACDC or something. I don't know. Like, like watch the music you listen to or something. I don't know. But the inputs have outcomes. Inputs have outcomes. And in Psalm 27, David asked for one thing. 
And one thing only, he says, Lord, what did Solomon ask for? What, does anybody know what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. Solomon said, God, give me wisdom. I, I, just, want, I just want to know stuff. I want wisdom. And, and I'm not saying don't ask for wisdom, but I want you to look down the line of how that worked out for Solomon. Wisest man, but at the end of his life, he's turned his back on God and started worshiping idols. You may not even know that. David said in Psalm 27, Lord, if I could have one wish, if I could have one thing come to pass, here it is, is that I would spend all my days dwelling in the house of the Lord. So for David, his one thing, it wasn't wisdom. It wasn't to seek more knowledge. It was this, is that, Lord, let me be in your presence all the time. Let me just stay in that communion, in that mundane with you. Let me have this relationship where I'm always talking to you, where we have a connection. That's inputs right there. That is injecting Christ, his spirit, into your life. And last. Man, I, I, I said, I'm, I'm done with Facebook, I'm done with Netflix, and, and I'm, I'm going to get those inputs out, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to input this right here into my life. And, and, and a week goes by, and here I am. I'm not even joking. Like, if I had my phone that's back there doing Facebook, I mean, this is, this is me. And you wonder, like, Drake, like, like, look at your inputs, man. And I, 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 I don't know how much, how much, how much do y'all charge an hour for my uh, therapy session? I mean, what do y'all, what do y'all need? Um, but I think we all, I don't think it's only me. Not only is our inputs, but it's imbalances. And what do I mean when I say imbalance? Um, I mean, it's like the things that we give weight to, the things that we, we make a priority in our life, because a lot of times, like, something may be in our life that's really not that important, but we will elevate it in a way and take what truly is important, our family, our relationship with God, our time that we spend, and we will de-elevate that and take what is not important and elevate that, and then we will be imbalanced in our lives. We think, well, they don't like me. Well, maybe if somebody doesn't like you, maybe, that, maybe it really doesn't even matter. Maybe it really doesn't even matter. Let me tell you what's not important. Sometimes, 99% of the times, what they think. You know what is important? What God knows. And maybe it's not our inputs or our imbalances. Maybe it's just our integrity. See, we will drive ourselves crazy trying to put different masks on. We'll be this person around. I mean, it, it's hard to live a peaceful life when you're sitting there worrying, I really hope my wife doesn't see my phone and see our text messages that I've been texting. It's really hard to live at peace 
When you have three Snapchat accounts and you're like, uh, this one, like, I, like, this one's the one that I want everybody else to see, but these are my other two right here that nobody really knows about. And, and it's really hard to live at peace when you have some under-the-table business dealings that you don't want anybody and you're praying that nobody finds out about. And I'm not saying that we should be the same around everybody. Don't hear me. I don't think Christ is saying that. That, that I mean, what if I walked in to, I don't know, uh, if we went to go, if, if we all go eat at, where do y'all like to go eat at after church? Does anybody like have a place that they like to go eat? Um, Miller. Where? Chick-fil-A. Okay, well, they're closed on Sunday, but we'll go for it anyways, okay? So let's say we go and leave here and go Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A too. And, and, and I'm in the restaurant, and I'm talking at the same, like, volume in Chick-fil-A that I am now. That would be weird, right? Hey, Mr. Jim, how are you? You know, do you like your chicken sandwich? Like, that would be, like, people like, no. Like, I would be like, hey, Mr. Jim, how are you doing? Okay. We have different actions around different people. I'm not saying that we should be the same, act the same around every single person. We, we act around our family in a, in a family manner, around our friends and but the core of our being, who we are, what guides our morals is always the same. Turn with me. I, I'll give you this example. Turn with me. Um, it's 1 Samuel. Um, 1 Samuel specifically in verse 22. <laughs> I wasn't planning on really telling a story or, or anything today. Um, I just really didn't feel up for it, but um, I'll, I'll tell this one uh, just because, I guess. When me and Kat went on our honeymoon, have y'all ever been in a place that, like, like you really don't want to be in the place that you're at? I don't know. So, like, we went on a honeymoon, and, like, everything was so expensive, and, and like, a, a pizza was $35. just like, the cheapest thing we could buy. So, we were buying pizza for $35. We'd pay for a $5 Coke, and then we'd, like, eat in our hotel, like, trying to save as much money as we could. And, and, and golly, if, if it ain't at 4 o'clock on our second day there, we've had this, you know, like, time um, at, 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 I think we went to St. John. We had this time on St. John or St. Thomas, I think it was. And it's been great, you know, but kind of we're just like, what in the world is going on with the, the people around St. Thomas? We just didn't understand the culture and stuff. So we're sitting there, and at like 4 o'clock, y'all know what happens? Does this happen in South Africa? I think it does. The power just completely went off for like five hours. I was so mad. St. Thomas, the whole island just shut down. So now I'm sweating. She's sitting there. We're both like in the room just like trying to fan ourselves off. The, light, the lights go out, and we're just like, I said, babe, I'm so mad right now. I'm not going to let the devil ruin our honeymoon, though. I mean, it wasn't the devil. It was my own stubbornness. I was like, we're taking a walk on the beach. So we just took a walk on the beach just to get out of where we were. Just get out of the room. We're, we're, we're leaving. And we went and took a walk on the beach. I want to tell you about the myth number two. Myth number two is that sometimes the places that we walk to to get away where we're from can be the... The myth is that they're always helpful. The myth is that it's always helpful. Let me show you. 
look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. It says this, So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon, so he was by himself, and this is what happened. Soon, brothers and all of his other relatives joined him there. Now, some of your translations, it reads like mine. It says the cave of Adullam. But some of your translations read the stronghold. So David left Gath and escaped to the stronghold of Adullam, and soon his brothers and his relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt, who were just discontent, until David was the captain of all of them, about 400 men. And so here's what happens. David is set up in a stronghold or in a cave. It'll say stronghold in a second. And he's set up in the stronghold, but who is camped around him? He went to this place to escape the people who were trying to kill him. Now he gets in the cave, he gets in the stronghold, and he stays for a couple of days. His brothers come, and then 400 other outlaws and men come. And so now he's gathered around 400 people. They're in the cave, and they go and they look out the cave, and guess who's there? Saul chasing them, ready to kill them, surrounding the stronghold. So this isn't good. David needs to get out of Dodge or he's about all 400 men of him are about to die. So what happens? Later, David went to Mizpah in Moab where he asked the king, please allow my father and my mother to live here with you until I know what God is doing for me here. So David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during the entire time that David was living in his stronghold. Verse 5. One day, the prophet Gad told David, Hey, bro, these people are surrounding you. Here's what you need to do. Leave the stronghold and return to the land of Judah. So David went to the forest at Herod and returned to the land of Judah. Now, why, why do I even mention this? It's because, hear me, hear me, hear me really quick. The things that we run to when our anxiety attacks, it may help us in that moment. We may get there. But if we're not careful, the very stronghold that we will run to will be the very prison that we get trapped in. Hey, I feel stress. I feel anxiety. I feel worry. I feel fear. I'm going to go and get some alcohol. And lo and behold, about four months later, that's our prison. I feel worried. I feel stressed. You know what I'm about to do? I'm about to work, 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 this job, that job, that job. And all of a sudden, we have numbed the worry because we've Buried ourselves in work, but then what, what happens? The work becomes our prison, which creates even more worry. Oh no, some people even have this with their problems. I just like, I love problems. Problem, problem, problem. They're having a great day, and they'll just like spike the coffee or something because like what? They're addicted to their problems. Be very careful. It's what I'm trying to preach, what the Bible is preaching to us today. What you run to. Because it can very easily become a prison that entraps you. So what did David run to? What should we learn, run to? And here's what is, is amazing. It says this, one day, verse 5, I'll we'll read it again. The prophet Gad told David, leave the stronghold, bro. And do what? Return to Judah. 
What does Judah mean? Judah is the word for praise. <laughs> he says, leave the prison that you're at and return to the what? Return to the praise. I love what David said. We don't really exactly know where David was when he was writing a bunch of his hymns, but there is one hymn which we know he wrote while he was in this moment. And it comes to us from Psalm 142. While he was in the cave, you know, David wrote several hymns. And I'm just going to read it really quick. Psalm 142. He, wrote, he probably wrote several psalms while he was on the run. But here's one of them. And if you don't see it, do you see how at the beginning it says a psalm of David regarding his experience in the cave? Do you see that at the very top? Um, and it's a prayer. So in the, in the cave, in the stronghold, here's what, he, here's what he writes, okay? He says, I cry out to you, Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all of my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way that I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. He says, wherever I go, I step out of this prison. And guess what? It's more enemies. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. And here's what he says. Bring me out of my prison so I can praise you, O God. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. I'll say this, I, I, I am no um, psychologist by any means or of the imagination, but I do know that in the two years of being a pastor, not one topic has been more abundant than sitting across a table and talking to someone about those three things, stress, anxiety, and worry. Not one topic has been more talked about than that. So I know that we are dealing with it. I know that we are dealing with it right now. Unanswered questions. Don't know where God is leading us. Have some inputs. Life's uncontrollable circumstances. I don't know what the cause of it is. And I don't want you to think for one minute it's a sin, okay? But I do want you to understand that it is a signal. And so when we get that signal, the question becomes, what to do now? What do we do now? Number one thing we don't do, we, we do not run to a stronghold that is only going to imprison us down the road. We've already got that from the text, right? Do not run to a stronghold that is only going to imprison us down the road. Number two thing, you need to do what David did. Look with me, just 
just flip to 2 Samuel. So we, we, have, we have removed from David in the cave. His men have asserted him to the kingship. And he, and he finds himself in, the, in, in almost the exact same place. First, 2 Samuel chapter 6. David, now becoming King David, all the people are looking to him to be a leader. They're looking to him to lead us. And guess what happens? A guy by the name of Uzzah died. And here's what happens. Go with me to verse 8. Verse 8. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 8. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named the place Perez Uzzah, which means the Lord burst out against Uzzah, and that's what it's called to this day. Verse 9. Now David was very afraid. He had the worry. He had the not knowing. What to do, God? So he asked the question, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom at Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there at Obed-Edom's house for three months. So for three months, David was like, "What? Do I, I don't know what to do. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Verse 12, then... King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's house and everything that he has because of the ark of God. So David went and he brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After verse 13, after the men were carrying the ark of the Lord, had gone six steps, David stopped and he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Hear me really careful. Sometimes we just need to stop and to push the pause button on our life. What did God do after six days of creating? He pressed the pause button and He took a Sabbath break. He rested. What did Jesus do? He would take rest. He would stop. Hear me, you cannot outwork your anxiety. You cannot outwork your stress. You cannot outwork your fear. The only thing that you can do, what Christ tells us that we should do, what we learn from David, is to just, just pause. Just stop. I was getting so convicted of this this week because, like, man, the last couple of weeks, I've just been, like, I was so excited and everything. I'm like, what can we do for God? What can we do for God? What can we do for God? What can we do, do for God? And then this week is like, boom! Like, Satan just, like, all up in my grill. And, I'm, I'm, and I know I'm trying to speak on this, and I, and I don't know. It's like a thorn in the flesh. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I struggled with it this week, but it's like, it's like, when I got here, I said, I gotta stop for a, for a for a minute. And I loved her death. Sharon Wilson texted me and she said, You were on my heart, and this is the word that I got for you uh, this week. And it was simply this it was that um, even pastors need rest. Even you, us, need rest. 
You got to stop. What does he do after he stops? Verse 14, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. But what was he wearing? Do you see how it says he was wearing a priestly garment? Some of your translations look in, in, in 2 Samuel 6, go all the way down to verse 14. Does it say, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment? If it says priestly garment, raise your hand. Priestly garment, priestly garment, um, priestly garment, priestly garment. Okay, all right. If yours says, it's like a word, I can't really pronounce it, but it's like an ephod, E-P-H-O-D. Would you raise your hand if it says ephod, ephod, ephod? Okay. Um, so I looked into this. What was this priestly garment? What was this ephod? And I had to go all the way back to 1 Samuel 30 to figure it out. And so I did. I skipped back to 1 Samuel um, chapter 30. And it's this idea, if you want to be, even go flip a couple pages back to 1 Samuel 30, David basically got robbed. And all the children, all the wives, all of his, all of his possessions was taken. And the 400 men that was with him in the cave now are angry at David and are about to kill David. He's about to die. And here's what it says. Verse 5. 1 Samuel verse five, th uh, chapter 30, verse 5. David's two wives were taken from Jezreel, Abigail, the, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, where among those were captured. David was now in great danger, verse 6. He was in great danger because all the men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David... What did he do? Do you see this? He found strength in the Lord. Then he said to Abithar, the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abithar brought it to him, and then David asked the Lord, should I chase after the raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord answered him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken away from you. And this happens multiple times in 1 Samuel where David has a question to God. God, I have a question. And he finds an ephod, this priestly garment. It's just like a shirt, a jacket, something. And he puts on this ephod, and he asks the Lord his question, and the Lord answered his question. And I was like, golly, I wish I had an ephod like that. You know, like, if I could just put on my next Lululemon jacket and ask, it costs enough, you should... It should have this power, but it doesn't. You ask God, God, should I go this way or that way? It doesn't work. I've tried it. It's not working for me. But for David, it did. And so what does now, going back to 2 Samuel, we have the context of what this priestly garment is. What does David do after he stops and pauses and worships God? He says, bring me the ephod. Bring me the priestly garment. i got to talk to God. i got to pray. i got to pray to God and thank Him for what He has done. And so number two, what do we do when we feel stressed or anxiety stricken? Not only do we stop and pause, but we, we pray. We get into a posture of prayer. I like to call that the posture of possibility. And we pray to God. Lastly, what does David do? It says this, So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord 
with shouts and joy and blowing of the ram's horn. So not only did he pause, not only did he pray, but lastly, what did he do? He worshiped God. He said, God, I'm feeling some type of way, but I'm going to stop, I'm going to pray, and now I'm going to worship you. And the bet, and, and like I said, I'm no psychologist. I'm really not. I'm just a pastor. And I told you I was going to do my best to give this sermon. I haven't cried or broken down yet. So, like, it's, it's a success for me, honestly. Um, but I'm telling y'all, when, we, when the signal comes up, and we stop and we pray and we praise. It will position us in a, in a, in a place for God to work. Position us in a place for God to move in. And so as Miss Diane is going to lead us in this next song and Miss Melanie is going to so wonderfully play. The song that we are going to sing is Here I Am to Worship. I believe it's played in three, four chords, a G, a C, a D, and I think an L. And in those short four chords, we are going to lift up our four request that we make to God is that when we get these anxiety, when we feel stress, when we feel worry, when we feel fear, we're going to be careful to what we run to. We are going to stop. We are going to pray, God, take this away. Give me an answer. Speak to me. And then while we wait... We are going to praise our Lord Jesus. And so I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people right now are dealing with a lot of unknowns. And it's caused some stress, some maybe even depression in your life. And I'm just going to invite you right now to stand where you are and to sing, Here I am, God. Use me. Here I am to worship. I don't understand, but I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to rest. God, I'm going to worship you. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. God, I pray that you would be with all of us in this building today, that you would speak to us all. God, and that we would pray and that we would worship all the days of our lives. In your name I pray. Amen and amen.